0: Welcome to the Runners Roundtable Podcast. Season four is Conversations with Runners, and each episode features a conversation with an inspiring female runner who is making the running community better in her own way. In this episode, I'm talking to Latoya Shante Snell about the importance of words, how to own one's voice
1: in the running space, and all the things that come with being a multi-marginalized athlete. Enjoy this conversation and thanks for listening. welcome welcome everyone to another episode of runners roundtable where in season four i'm interviewing the women who inspire me and who inspire you all as well who are doing what they can to change the running industry change the face of running how we receive running and today i am so incredibly so incredibly excited and just grateful and i I told you in an email i i shoot my shot or I shot my shot. I don't even know how to say it. But I just totally sent an email thinking there's no way this person is ever going to want to talk to me (laughs) and be on the podcast. And you said yes. So I'm so excited to have Latoya Shanti Snell here talking to me. I just want to tell you a quick story of how I found you. And it was I think I was training for the Chicago 2021 marathon and one of my friends sent me your post and it was a kind of a get ready with me post, but you had the most exquisite earrings on. And I said, I need to follow this person (laughs) because earrings, like it wasn't just, you know, no, 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 no. They had, I feel like they had someone's face on them. I don't even know. I don't even know what it was, but you went through an entire, the outfit. I mean, I don't want to say it was a production, but it was a production. It, a production. it was <laughs> one of those things that when I saw that, and then you shared your run and what you did and everything about it. And you were just so, and I'm going to curse because I know you curse and I love to curse as yes. well but you were just so like, I don't give a fuck. This is who I am. This is what I look like. I look good. And you're gonna see that I look good moving my body. And that for me, after that, that really changed my approach to earrings when I run. And it's so silly. But now when I run, I'm like, all right, can I wear the hoops? Absolutely, I can wear the hoops. Can I wear the beads? Sure, I can wear the beads. And I even had someone mention it recently to me. And I didn't know this that you know, or another friend, it was the same friend, Marion. If you're listening to you to this, shout out to you. Where she's like, I have running earrings. And I'm like, wait, what? You don't just right. wear whatever earrings. Like, I wear whatever earrings make earrings me feel up. cute. Right. So, <laughs> so that's how I found you. And I have followed you since. And I just so appreciate again the taking up space in yeah. running. Particularly in a running space that is so dominated by paces, by appearances, by lots of gatekeeping. I love this sport. Oh boy. Oh boy. I love this sport. And I think it's wonderful. Ooh. And part of why I have this podcast is so that we can talk about how we can make the sport better. But there's so much gatekeeping and you talk about it all again, so unapologetically, you're like, this is me, I'm taking up space. Here I am. So now I'm going to kind of turn it around to you and just ask you to introduce yourself to us. You wear many hats. (laughs) So introduce yourself to us and let us know how you got into running and how you even got to the mental space where you are right now where you are able to take up space so boldly because I don't even know it's like unapologetic but you're also like I'm here like I can take up space just as much as you can and you own calling yourself a runner which is something that so many people particularly women struggle with
2: yes yes man oh man um that was awesome (laughs) For um like I, I feel, I'm like, oh, who is this girl? I want to know her. You know, <laughs> um, well, <laughs> so for anyone that's just hearing my voice for the first time, my name is Latoya Shantae Snell. Um, I am presently 38 years old. Yes, I'm about to hit the 40s. And I've noticed this is not something that people usually get excited about, but I am actually looking forward to it. I am excited about it. Um, I celebrated the same way that my dad did. Um, He was the first person that I ever met. Um, and new, I mean well, I, I hope I didn't meet him, you know, I mean he is my dad. Um, you know, but he's been gone for about 14 years now and <clears throat> since he's been gone, uh, I always remind myself that it is a gift to get old. Um, it is a gift to get older um, and embrace all the grays and all the things um, that people usually tell you to hide. Um, I love the idea that I'm going to be entering my 40s and it just makes me have less of a filter. I get less of a damn. And that's how I like to show up in this world. Um, You know, so like, as far as like, you know, how I started this journey, um, I just remember um, dropping out of high school for seven gym credits, ironically. Um, (laughs) Out of all things, you can't make this shit up. You know, uh, my my real story is, my real deal is that um, um, I like to look at myself as an ordinary person who like to do extraordinary things. Um, And the thing about it is that I didn't always have that nurtured Um, or instilled in me. My dad had a very profane, very, 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 very colorful mouth, just like me, Um, but this multiplied times 10. Um, And the things that I realized in hindsight is he taught me in his own weird, you know, super Black parent way of, you know, and he used to say, Kettle, he used to call me Kettle, um, because I'm loud. And he was like, you know, Kettle, you know, the thing about men And woman, that difference is is that we don't ask for permission even when we're wrong. And this was one of like the, this was like a crazy piece of advice that he gave me. And he's like, stop asking for permission to be yourself.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. and
2: these were the things that he would say. But this was a lot of more um, profanity mixed in there. Um, Definitely more motherfuckers going in there. Um, I, I always say that Samuel Jackson is definitely an uncle to our family um, <laughs> because <laughs> like, that word did not escape his mouth. This just could not be one day that went by that didn't escape his mouth, um, even down to the day that the last day that I've actually saw him close his eyes, um, that word still came out. And, you know, I love him for that because he's always been himself and with his own hardships, he owned it. Um, I'm a product of the eighties. And during that period, um, the crack epidemic was, um, hard, um, you know, and even with it, I've never, like he was, he was so extraordinary to me in his own skin that it passively, even with all the hiccups that we've experienced together, it taught me how to show up in this world. And, you know, like, don't get me wrong. I love my mom. I adore my mom. My mom is much more of the opposite though of me when it comes down to how we speak, my mom, you gotta gradually kind of like get her there to kind of be that loud. Me, I just come out the gate, hey, how you doing? And what's your name? You know, and that was just been that's always been my energy. And my, you know, my parents did remind me that it is okay to be yourself. But it was also that flip side of do as I say, not as I do. So talk loud, just not in front of me you know, um, (laughs) not towards me, you know, and I've learned how to redefine that voice here in the running community. When I came into this space, um, I I didn't look at myself as a runner, didn't view myself as a runner. Um, I started in my mid-20s and It was for all of the cliche things that we hear, that particularly women and non-binary people are sold. Um, People in marginalized communities, honestly, I want to go further and say, people in marginalized communities are sold to be someone else. And what the narrative that I was sold was that when I lose weight, I'll become this new mythical creature that people are going to admire and find palatable and most importantly, wouldn't be intimidated by. Now, one of the things that worried me, and still at times I can get tripped up off of, is being labeled with the term angry Black woman. Um, It's something I've heard my entire life. And this really came from having parents who always told me to be myself. But when I would walk into different spaces outside of my home, people would, it was like almost like they had to check me to tell me, don't show up like that like you know like the I know that that's that's you know an innate in you but you can't show up like that so people conveniently would pick and choose what parts of me was palatable what part of me was okay when can we pull that tool out of her toolbox and over the years I started to lose my identity I lost my identity the first time um when I went to high school um, you know, like, uh, when I was in junior high school, I think I had a stronger sense of self before I went to high school, that middle school years, uh, you know, I, I went in there and I was just like, I'm okay with being smart. You know, I was the kid that was really, really, I was painfully close to being valedictorian, salutatorian. I missed it by like, really like I think it was like behavior because I was always a goof troop um and I'm always saying something to make somebody laugh uh and I think I might have missed it off of behavior alone because I made up this weird name for my teacher um and uh, I think I called her Miss Gasass um instead of Miss Gaskins um I used to call her I'm called my other teacher Miss Combat um and her name was Cumberbatch she's she was they're both amazing teachers and if it was not for those two educators um I don't know if I would have made it this far. So sometimes the teachers that we give the hardest way to go are the ones who are like really the ones that's the ones that we probably need to listen to and hold on to just a bit more. So, you know, kind of fast forwarding, like, you know, I get into junior high school and I was the kid that was like, yeah, I'm intelligent, but I'll kick your ass. Um, I didn't like bullying didn't like shaming is before all well, we came up with all these terms. Um, you know, like I was just like, I didn't hear about body shaming or you know, body positivity. I didn't know anything about no activist movement, I just knew about humanity, and humanity made sense to me. You know, um, it's a matter of you treat people how the way that you want to be treated, and times 10, you know. So and it's not what the incentive of I'm going to get this paid back to me. It's just more like this is what makes me feel good. This is what makes me tingle inside, you know? Um, And I just hope that somebody will be kind enough to me in um, in return. Um, So I was that person. I was that person that was like, yeah, I'll make jokes, but don't come up to my friends or come up to me the wrong way, or even do it to a stranger in the street and I'm there. You know, Um, but that also leads you into a path where when I entered in high school, I got known for that reputation. Um, I went to Boys and Girls High School, um, it's uh, I believe is is the 17th largest high school in the United States, um, at least at the time when I went there. And this school was not suited to hold that many kids inside of it compared to the ratio. So I drowned really quickly. Um, and I can see that in hindsight that I needed a smaller environment to be able to own my voice. And instead, when I had educators who did not respect that, you know, I was kind of, you know, I was the art type, you know, I was the artist type where, you know, I didn't exactly blend in with the cool kids. I can walk in those circles, but I didn't necessarily want to be there for too long. And I didn't have educators who wanted to take time to say, you don't have to show a part of yourself. You can be your entire unadulterated, you know, unscripted self. You don't have to tame yourself here. And the more that the years went by, I just found myself not wanting to attend. Um, so I was the kid who cut school, smoked weed, um, and got friends to essentially teach me the schoolwork. I would become friends with people for like about two weeks, and would really have wholehearted, like, real friendships, like people who I still know to this day. They would teach me this stuff while in the middle of me smoking a blunt, and it would be like, "Why don't you just go to school?" And I'm just like, "No, I, I don't think so." And I realized now it was because of I felt overwhelmed by so many people, so many personalities, um, so many layers, and then there was just so many tests and hoops that I had to go through. Um, somebody thinks that you know, oh, she, she, she thinks that she's better than everybody. You know, um, it wasn't celebrated to be smart um, without getting your ass kicked. It was like they had to be hand in hand and I just never fit into these boxes. Like it wasn't like she's the nerd and we embrace her. Okay, check. No, it was more like she's intelligent, but she has a snarky mouth. So that's going to get her into a bunch of fights and she doesn't like people getting bullied. So that's going to get her into a bunch of fights. Um, She's really quick. So she's going to get into a lot of fights. And at the time of my body size, um, at the time in the nineties, 90s, nineties, um, 90s, early two thousands, it was more celebrated to have the Coca Cola bottle shape, the knee long body, at least here in you know Bed Stuy, Crown Heights, Brooklyn. And I was not that. I had a big head, small body. I was ninety eight pounds, um, five foot three and a half. And um, you know that that was like a that was like a a soundtrack to getting your ass kicked on his own. And I just constantly found myself fighting people. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't like the way that this feels. So I just found it easier to just cut school. And thankfully I attended enough days to be able to meet my husband. Um, you know, um, My husband and I met in a high school cafeteria and um, the story kind of wrote itself from there. And I think that he knew in the back of his heart, like, mm, I'm going to have me a luscious plus size woman. So let me start giving her these welches from grapefruit drinks <laughs> right now. You know, like he had me ready. He had my back the entire time, you know, um, but it, it eventually like, you know, it, it, it was like, I, I look at my own story and I wish that I can hug my 16 year old self. And that's what I've taken into this running community is not necessarily trying to be a big mouth, you know, just wanting to, you know, share her, amplify her own story. I'm just like, here's my story. This is how I show up in the world. And I'm hoping that with showing my story, whether it's through visual form or written form or anything in between, that this artist's background will translate into showing people that this is, I'm telling you more than a story about running. Um, I just want you to just show up in life being yourself. And if it comes with being awkward, um, missteps, and then you learning along the way and owning up to it, show up as that, you know, um, entering this space was just, I, I've I had so many ups and downs. And like, I know that you, I don't know if where this podcast is going to go, if it's going to go in visual form or if it's going to go in physical form, but if it's in visual form, this is me. And um, hopefully this actually shows up somewhere yeah. on here. Um, first year into the space, um, there was a tiny picture and my camera is pretty crappy right now because of the, the light that's reflecting against it. But I had, I have the, the cringy before and after pictures. Um, first year into the space, I took that whole mindset of if I lose weight, I'll reclaim my life. And this was after graduating culinary school. Um, I was able to speak for my graduating class. Um, I started, you know, I was starting, I was on my road to thriving. In the culinary industry, I was already cooking from home um, after I lost my job during um, 2008. Um, that 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 moment was when everybody lost their jobs. Because even then, when I left high, high school and I got my GED, I was like, well, maybe I can get my redemption in college. And then I couldn't afford it. Uh, but, you know, I had financial aid. But then they looked at it as even though I moved out of my house because my dad and I, he's my biggest superhero. But he was the person that scared me the most. Um, we had fistfights. Um, we've, uh, my, I, I've literally gone from getting popped to, uh, you know, dare I say that it was, it was shout abuse, you know, um, at times, you know, we, we went to spaces where the person that was giving me the best advice, I was calling him out on his, 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 his hypocrisy. And he didn't like being called out in his own house. Um, I endured, physical violence and you know I think the verbal was probably more that got to me than more than anything because I can take a punch I could take a punch and it's it's not a great thing but I could take a punch um but words always had a way of speaking into me or speaking at me in an aggressive way in the way that it can that if you said the right thing at the right time with the right cadence you know, from the right people. That was a make or break, and my dad, he sat real high. You know, he sat like highest, um, on that pedestal of people who I didn't want to make me feel low. And there were days where he just he would say, "You're," he's like, "You're so smart. You're so fucking stupid." You know, and it hurt. You know, so when I saw, you know, that you know he went from popping me with a belt to belt buckle. To saying that, you know, pretty much I think he was calling me out then for my queerness that I was not ready to come out with. Um, And he says, since you think you're a little boy, knuckle up. And that was probably the last time I remember actually having a hand pop. And after that, we just we fought, you know, even when this man had a stroke um, this man still packed a punch. Like, like you, you didn't want to, you didn't want to square up against him. Adults didn't want to square up against him. Why, why would I, me at, at right. 12 to 14, you know, as a, you know, developing girl, want to square up against my dad. And eventually, you know, I'm moving into my husband's house, um, when I was like 16 and a half years old. And I think my mom-in-law for, looking at us beyond the, the the probably the horny teenage years um thank God that she was able to look past that and say okay I'm separating you guys because I know y'all doing stuff y'all ain't supposed to be doing but she saw the severity of the situation and you know I you know I love my mama um but when you are in an abusive situation, it's hard to see past it and I just held on to this anger with my mom of why couldn't you just let him go? You know, like I love dad and I know that you love dad and I knew my sister loved him because he has these charismatic qualities that, and I, I realized in hindsight that there just wasn't enough conversation about what drug use do to the individual, as well as what it does to the that family dynamic and everybody that's around, you know, um, there's times where I just wish I can pull my dad back from the grave, give him a hug and tell him that I forgive him. Um, and in addition to say to myself, every day I'm fighting to tell myself I forgive myself. Um, I felt like I had left my family behind when I was able to come to my husband's house um, and stay here. I was just like, oh, this is how a normal household operates. You know, they got into an argument in front of me. And all I kept thinking is, oh, something's going to fly across the room. And they literally just went into separate rooms um, my husband was angry and my mom-in-law were angry. And I was just like, and uh, I you know, I, I say sorry, not sorry in advance, but I was just like, what kind of white household shit is this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it just felt very sitcommy. It was a show. It was, it was a, a show. show. Yeah. And then I realized that I was like, oh, am I the asshole on this? yes, you are. You know, because it's just like if your norm has always shown you chaos, then normalcy feels like a show. And I'm just like. So people who actually talk out their problems. They don't just knuckle up, you know, like, <laughs> like, I'm not saying every night in my house was like that, you know, that's the way that it went down. But I realized that I was, I, I grew up in that chaos so much that I couldn't see what normal felt like. Um, there are certain things that I can naturally say, even to this day, I can tell you about pooping on myself at Mount 4. But if you ask me simple things like, why do you have a hard time hugging people that you hardcore know and feel comfortable hugging strangers? That's a different type of TED talk. Um, I, I it's think a that's different attachment, to... right? Yeah.
1: Like it's... I I just want to say I just want to appreciate you and right? like before you keep going, I want yeah, yeah, to for everything that you're saying because I'm such a proponent of words and I say mm-hmm. that words are incredibly powerful they can make us or break us they can right. uplift us or destroy us and what you're talking about is that right and i see it again as someone who's been following you with a little more intentionality since 2021 i see how intentional you are with your words right like that's the not to get like a therapist on you cuz i'm sure no, you, not you not got not. all the help <laughs>
2: i'm sure you got all the help you got <laughs>
1: don't know. No. Podcast
2: always, art therapy, okay? Like, I'm oh, just, yeah. Yeah. This, this yeah. is our, <laughs> our free to low-cost therapy sessions right here. Yeah, that's and- what <laughs> I'm like. But I think of your posts, and I feel mm. like
1: every single post you do is a love letter to yourself, is yeah. that bit of forgiveness, because you are using those words to paint the picture for people of what your experience is like, And when you paint that picture, when you use your words, you create potential and possibility for others, right? If I see you, it's stupid. But if I see you with earrings on, then I'm going to think, wait, I can do that too. Now imagine if I'm seeing you running the Chicago Marathon, celebrating the shit out of 26.2 miles, all of a sudden I'm going to be like, well, I can do that too. And who's to tell me that I can't, right? Right. So I find that words are so powerful. And I want to thank you for sharing all of that, because I had, as you're speaking, I'm like, yes, I understand that because I grew up similarly, but different. My parents are divorced, but my mother remarried and she remarried someone who I won't go deep into the story, but it was definitely, there were points where not points, but I would say a big rupture in my relationship with my mother is that very similar question of why didn't she leave him?
2: Julia, right? Why
1: didn't she choose us over him? And now, as an adult, and many years of therapy, and That's, a yep, lot, sorry. a lot of money, a lot of money depends on that. Oh God,
2: I'm still paying money.
1: <laughs> but I realize, and I, and I'm going to assume it's the same for you, where there's a totally different stigma of being a single mother. Ooh. And a single mother of color
2: color, like, yes,
1: so different. And you know, mm. for me, it's i I always tell people this and y'all, if you've heard any of the podcasts, you know how much I personally struggle with the fact that I live in Miami and in Miami oh, boy. I'm a Latina woman. so oh, I am I'm part of the majority here, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the same racial experience, yes. That- it- the rest of America does. Like I, oh, remember, oh, like I talk to you, or I'll talk to people, and I'm like, oh wow, that. And I try to explain that to people too. It's like I'm not trying to be ignorant. I'm trying yes. to learn, but my yes. experience is so different because I speak Spanish. Because oh. here, I can move through all the English speaking spaces, Spanish speaking spaces, everyone here, it's, it's totally, totally different. And yet I I do know, and I recognize that growing up, being a family on section eight was something that we had to keep hidden, right? Like that was, you didn't want the people to know that you were struggling. And that struggle is keeping, and I don't know if you had the same rules in your household. As oh, keep,
2: you, keep your inside business inside?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. It was like nobody oh, knows. Honey. And it really got to the point with my oh. mom. I still think back on this. And it keeping the inside business inside became so isolating. My mother didn't want us sharing phone numbers, addresses oh, wow. with extended family. Because she just really didn't want people oh, to wow. know what was going on. And... That's something that as a child I struggled with because I didn't have my extended family. You know, it really was community, which it sounds like for you too, where it was like, it's the friends that you had. It was your husband. It was, it was the family you created for yourself that you could lean on. But I also think it's so interesting and I'm going to probably reflect on this myself later, but it's so interesting that you took the route that you did which is sharing so much of your story. Obviously, there's a lot that you keep close to your heart that is only for your inner circle. But when it comes to being a
2: runner and being in this space... Oh, you don't share that stuff as a runner, yeah.
1: So, like, how did you get to that point of saying, like, okay, yeah. no, I'm not quote-unquote normal, right? I, I don't fit the standard. I don't fit what is... um glorified within the running space, right? right? Like I don't, I don't fit that. I don't fit that standard either. And I, at this point, I'm so happy. I don't, I'm so happy. I don't, because my daughters don't fit that standard either. A right. ton of people here in Miami don't fit that standard either. And yet if they see me doing it, then they're going to give it a try. So right. that's the question I have for you now is just mm-hmm. how, how did you get and maybe this is digging too deep, but it's no, like, no, 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 how no, no. did you break that pattern, right? Because mm. if it's for you, it's for me, it's the same, like it's, you know, it's kind of almost these generational patterns of keeping the ugly hidden from view, yes. how did you get to that point where, I mean, was that even a question? Was that something that you thought about? Oh, no, or it's, it just, uh, like, I think about like, it every
2: day. Okay. That is, that's, that is literally, that's something I think about every day. Um. You know, the thing is, like, I I took mental notes of things that you said. One, growing up in Miami and realizing, like, okay, you're around a community that, you know, speaks the same language. Um, I found that that was my super superpower and my kryptonite in this space, in this running community. That um, as my story started to grow from the 2017 New York City Marathon, this is the first time that a lot of people learned about me. Um, you know, in the athletic space. And I got heckled at the New York City Marathon in 2017 um, around miles 22 to t- about, yeah, around t- miles 21, 22, somewhere around that part, wherever um, there's, uh, it's pretty much Harlem Run Plaza that you pretty much would run across. And it was a guy that screamed I was gonna take your fat ass forever. And it was a tall, balding white man um, that said this to me. So I put this descriptor in my 925 word piece for the route. Um, it was some. It was two women. Um, I thought it was a joke. Um, as you can tell, my mouth um, sometimes can be a little filthy. So um, I responded as much back when I got an email from the root saying, "Hey, um, my name is Veronica Webb, and I didn't. I was like, that sounds familiar. I was like, she sounds like somebody that was on TV, and she was. She was somebody. She was a. Um, she's uh, the first cover model. She was the first person. Um, the first African American with a makeup um that had like a makeup deal um she's an actress and she has like she wears many hats so when i received this email i said what assholes is hitting up my inbox trolling <laughs> me today um because by this point i was already starting the whole storytelling thing because this is when people believe that instagram was not made for writing um, and I, as an artist was like, I can make this to whatever the hell I desire. Um, so like, you know, like the small, um, you know, like a, a sidebar is, um, what people don't realize about me is that not only like the running fat chef pseudonym comes from literally me getting into running, me being plus size, um, and then taking on that double name of the double word, the double meaning for word fat, which is seasoning. Uh, in a dish yeah I'm like the you make a, you make and build a dish with that's fat. that
1: son that's like, that's that
2: of the dish yeah. baby you like you like if you ain't got that then baby what 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 are we doing right here um and then there's the other side that people wanted me to find shame in and I realized I was borrowing people's shame along the way and I was just like wait hold up I'm like because I'm like bitch I look good <laughs> (laughs) what do you mean? Like once I started to embrace the size I was in, it's always like this, like this learning curve you have to go through. It's just like, oh my God, my body just changed, things don't move the same. Why is this folding over? Um, but this is solid. Um, this looks a little plump and juicy. I'm like, didn't I want this when I was in high school? And then I I, like I had to battle that back and forth, but the decade wasn't calling for that. The decade was calling for snatch waist, you know, um, hips had to be pow, you know, breasts had to be bow bow, had to be sitting up. And I'm like, I just had a baby. (laughs) Um, <laughs> like I am not getting the snack back the snatchback body like all the other girls. I'm like, why is my stomach sticking out the hair? Not realizing I'm walking around with a whole hernia, but like that's another TED talk. And then the postpartum and stuff. So once I'm like the postpartum is something I don't think people talk about enough. You know, so I was just like, why are we not hearing these stories? Why do we keep hearing like these Jenny, these Jenny Craig, you know, uh Weight Watcher stories, but we're not hearing anything about the gray area that I'm experiencing. So here, like the 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 beauty of growing up in Bed Stuy, Crown Heights, East New York, and all these areas in Brooklyn is that I got to see people that looked like me every single day. Every single day, I knew what people looked like me. I knew what people that sounded like me. Um, I knew I was surrounded by, you know, black and brown people every single day. So when I got into the running scene, I'm just like, it's incredibly white here. And I mean, this is just me being here in New York, but because uh, the beauty and the curse of being in these boroughs, you don't have to leave your borough to have a good time. And it's not to say that, you know, for work, I was like, I adjusted and adapted to being around more white people when I was in a professional environment and corporate, like where it was like, okay, it was almost assumed that white people were in leadership. You would see the difference when you walk into an office and you knew who the supervisor was, even if it was a person of color, you could always see who um who's the supervisor. People's shoulders change. Uh-huh, got to lock up. Oh, hi, how you doing? And like, you, you go from <laughs> informal to formal. You know, um how you doing? The the Mr. and Mrs. you know are starting to thrown out there. Everybody's very rigid and they're not loose. And I'm here I am feeling like I'm really the high school dropout like why everybody changing up. Why, why are you acting different? I'm showing up as myself to these run groups. And while they're saying with their mouths, you know, we welcome everyone. All you need is a pair of shoes and you can show up. I would have people asking me questions like, what are those? What 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 are those things on your on your feet? Like, what, what sneakers that you show up in, honey? And I'm like, well, this is what I can afford. I got these Payless Shoe Source sneakers that's going to run out in like two weeks because I want you to stage of, I just want to run everywhere, you know? Um, and I'm like, why are these sneakers falling to the side? Why are they Why are they singing Negro spirituals right now? Um, why are they talking from behind? And I didn't have anyone in that group that really would pull me to the side to say, honey, these are not running sneakers. And like the, the education wasn't there. And, and it literally took for me to go back to my community, go to my track and walk there a couple of times. And that's when I encountered Black Girls Run. And I was just like, it's crazy how I had to go back to my community for someone to educate me on the things I didn't know. And yes, Google was always there. And I Google certain things, but I was just like, everything that was popping up on Google was like, we need these $159 sneakers. And I'm just like, well, I could do the same thing with these $20 sneakers. And yes and no. So we don't talk enough about the accessibility piece. We don't talk enough about not just inviting people to tables, but what do you do then? What kind of food are you serving? Do they have allergies at this table? Okay. Is there any gluten intolerances at this table? And that's what I felt like. I felt like the gluten tolerance. I was the gluten uh, the gluten version to a whole bunch of gluten-free folks. And they're just like, um, we don't want to tell her she don't belong here. We're just going to acknowledge her. We're going to smile, you know, that tight smile that looks really weird and awkward. Um, and hopefully you're able to keep up. And it was like, oh, don't worry about it. We have a slower paced group. Um, it's 10 minutes. Excuse oh, my me. gosh.
1: I listen. Okay. Listen, because I know you started, running, you started running around the same time that I did. Like, yeah. So what? that is something, and I just want to appreciate you saying that because I I go off on accessibility. Mm. There's levels to it, right? Mm. It's not only, I, at this point, I strongly dislike when people say running is free because running
2: is See, not what? free. It's not free. Like, I'm a sponsored athlete and I'm telling you, it's not free. <laughs> Okay. Do you understand how crazy that is? Is that I acknowledge my privilege. Like, let's 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 be clear here. Okay. Like to look back at my journey from 2013 to 2023, I am thankful to be a Hoka Global Athlete Ambassador. Because now I get to enjoy these perks. I ain't gonna tell you how all the perks, but I do get paid. You know, <laughs> I like I will say this: I get paid. You know, and you know, like you know, it's not like life-altering money, but it is something that I get to say and wake up every morning of. Yes, I am an athlete, and I do this shit for a living. And even with it, I can tell you that I have access to more things now because of status than I ever had when I was out here openly saying, I can't afford this. And people are like, tough shit, figure it out. And I'm just like, and so now I, I get, I, I have this, now I live in these two worlds where I don't want to feel guilty for having access. But then at the other time, the other part of me is just like, how can I use my platform to amplify these things and make it accessible to as many people as possible? And if it means that I go out there and I make a damn reel on TikTok that says earrings, glasses, socks, shirts, I'm telling you where I'm getting these things from, what they look like. It's not just from a vanity standpoint of, hey, I look good. And yes, of course, I want to do this because I look good. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it was just more like, if I can make this palatable enough and entertaining enough to put this in video form, to show to people, here's where my mental health is at. And you probably can't afford mental health services in America because everything's expensive. Um, you know, you probably can't afford um the top of the line things, but here's how I'm actually, even as a an athlete who gets to represent different brands, this is how I'm making this approachable and Here's what I can do and I'm answering these things from the inbox. So, for someone who was just like, "Oh yeah, why don't you get a running coach? If You can't afford the running coach and what do you do?" A lot of us go to social media. So, I'm just like, can I be one of those people who don't contribute bullshit to the internet because I see a lot of that being thrown out there. You're not a real runner unless you run at 9 minutes and 30 seconds. Like, what? Like, honey, at my best, at my best, I ran at 8:42. It was for a Mile okay, and I was dying. (laughs) What am I doing? Where is my lungs? And is it in California right now, even though my physical body is here in New York?
1: Yeah, you know, that stuff is so again, like accessibility, and and we can touch upon not only the gear that you wear, but also even just do you have access to safe spaces to run? Do you have people to run with? And I
2: so there's that. They're... If you feel safe running with people, because it's just like, but if do you, you have childcare? Right, you do have childcare. Like, I mean, like let's think about this. If we, if we're, if we're showing up to run groups, who says that their 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 slow distance is a ten minute pace or a twelve minute pace? Then you're already knocked out the bunch because you, you're most likely, if you have someone that is willing to stay with you, they're possibly going to shame you the entire time. Hey, can you run a little bit faster? Um, you know, I'm, man, like you know, man, you know, if you I, listen, this ball, okay,
1: at this point, li- okay, you and no. I, you and I need to get together, and we need to do a master class. <laughs> on listen, running with
2: people because
1: listen, it is my goal. I've done run clubs. I've hosted my own run clubs. I run with people. I've had people who tell me, oh, I don't know if I can if I can keep up with you. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like I'm keeping up with you. you. Then I'm going to make it even easier by talking about myself so that you're distracted by what's right. happening. I will, I, I mean, I have at this point so much practice where I'll be like, oh, the weather, or I'll talk about food or there's so much. You can talk about, like, human beings are amazing. Yes. And yet I, I feel like I'm going to channel your dad right now, where it's like, we're so amazing, but then we're so dumb at the same okay, time. dumb, right. Like, like, <laughs> for, like, you can run with someone, and guess what? Not talk about running while you're running with them. Like, Oh, I my God, that's mind-blowing. What do you people. mean you talk about something outside of running? You have a life outside of this? I will what? talk about music. I'm like, whatever it is, I often ask people, like... <laughs> There's two things that I feel like happen here. And again, I'm like, we need to do a masterclass on this because yes. there's two things. it's one, you need to not be afraid to say, I need you to slow down for me. That's one. Yes. And two, you people, people, you, mm-hmm. I see you universal. Don't, for those of you who are questioning going to run clubs or questioning whether you're quote unquote too slow, don't assume what other people are willing to do for you. Yes. Don't say, I'm not going to go. Because no one's gonna no, don't make that assumption. You
2: have no clue what someone is willing to do for you. I will play devil's advocate. It is hard to if it's hard to show up as yourself, it's hard to request things as yourself too. Oh, so for sure. That that takes practice. Oh, you know, for like sure. that, that takes a lot of practice. Like I kid you not, even with me being a big mouth, I know how to sit here and say, hey, listen, I'm I'm not with this. It's just like what happens after you say it. And it's just like, what's the response? And people sometimes don't know how to, and that was like a lot of my hardships throughout, not just in running, but in my entire life, it was just like, people would say, well, if you want something to say it, and then I'll say it. And then like, you can't say it like that. <laughs> like, what? I mean, wait, hold up. You told me to ask for help. Like, you know, almost like, you know, when you hear the, the, the cliche thing, check in, checking on your strong friends. And then it's like, okay, the strong friend says now I'm not strong at this moment. And then that person goes in with no tools and to say, now what? Yep. And and that's that's where that's what we're stuck in. We are stuck in the now what stage. People are off, offering out. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. But they haven't done the work to figure out how to help us. Help me. Help you. Help us. So then I think
1: now that I'm hearing you say that, because ugh, I'm going to assume yes. you and I are in the same boat of like always being the strong one and like yeah. having to get it together. And oftentimes, what I think is. Or what I feel is when I tell someone I just need to be soft or I need to not be strong, what I want from them is how can I help you do that? That Mm. question of how can I help you do that? Because then maybe you don't know what that is, but I can tell you right now being strong means I, I need to go do groceries and pick my kids up. Like for me, usually the being strong piece is that I have
2: to keep doing stuff. Is to keep doing. And, but that's what society has been feeding us, particularly women and non-binary people all of our lives. you know, be strong, but not like that. That's it? we've fed that contradiction throughout an entire lives. We've been told so that I know why I look, I am looked at as problematic in this space because I tried everything they told me to do. I I followed the handbook. The handbook was get faster. I got faster. They told me to lose weight. I lost a hundred pounds in a year. I'm an overachiever. I am top of the class, baby. I (laughs) made it. I made it. You know, they told me, oh, well, well, you you can't call yourself a, a real athlete until you get a certain size. I made the size and I even did the whole predatory food practices that led me to an eating disorder. And even then they were just like, you're still not doing it right. So I almost died for this space. You know, Um, I, I followed the Mickey Mouse handbook. You know, I followed, you know, rule 264 that um I'd have to run every single day. Every single day, there's no breaks um, with sleep. And yes, you're supposed to maintain a job and you're supposed to, you know, show up and run groups and you're supposed to practice toxic positivity and you smile even though, you know, somebody in your family died. But don't worry about it. Running solves everything. Um, I follow all these rules and I'm just like, why do I not like myself? I shapeshift myself into a print symbol and I still do not feel good in my own body. And most importantly, I feel like I'm in a prison that I created. Once you've hit that rock bottom, you've lost everything. If you can't identify who you are, why you are doing something and what's your purpose at this very moment, how do you know where the hell you're going? So 26.2 miles might as well be it could be a thousand miles because you don't know where the finish line is at. And if, if you don't understand why you are doing something, why am I showing up? You don't have to have the entire plan, but if you have no idea of the pieces and I, I'm just, you know, I'm just taking up space just so I can be a paperweight versus I'm taking up space deliberately. What are we doing? How do we give ourselves permission? To tell people, hey, listen, I need you to slow down. And not only when you accompany me, I need you to actually be quiet. You know, I just, I need your physical body to be here. But, you know, I work best when I'm able to work through these moments. When I'm when I'm out here and I'm at mile 20 um, and I'm crying, can you just please don't tell me um, to stop crying? I need to cry. Because if the crying is giving me permission to be able to say, I got all of the dirt out. Because that's what tears do, tears cleanse. So let yeah. me clear this out so I can make space for myself at this moment. You know, when, when I go across this finish line, I want you to come with me because you are one of the helpers, you are one of the enablers. And the thing is, before mm. we can get to that place of feeling like we can own all of that, we, we also need the help of community to be able to give us permission to do that. And this this community, B, I, you know, I, I'm going to be very honest here. I have not got to a place where I feel comfortable going consistently back to a run group because when I became viral in this space um, with my story in 2017, people cheerleaded me on. But because I've had experience of working in mainstream media um, by proxy of my husband and I being freelance photographers, um, and I remember, like, my husband is an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Um, and before you, now he can, he openly talks to people or whatever, but before I used to be the icebreaker. So, you know, he would get the room set up or whatever. And while he's putting up all the equipment I would talk to the models, Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. And you know, that's a standard question that people ask, but they don't really want to an answer back. But I would go back and say, no, really, how are you? And I would watch people crumble and tell me their entire life of what is going wrong. And they're just like, nobody's really asked me how I was doing. And I think that that's what the problem is with this community, is that we're we're asking, but we ain't really looking for an answer because there's too much invested in the gatekeeping. There's too much invested <clears throat> in feeling like I'm better than you because every other aspect of that lives probably has no identity. It probably has no no t- no type of layering to it. And you know this is not the case for everybody. But I realize there is money in gatekeeping (laughs) but there is also money and inclusivity and now you have to ask yourself a moral question of what side of that do you want to stand on and that this is the reason why we're not growing We're, we're growing and more people are giving themselves permission to open their mouths and to say something about it but we don't really have an action plan we're just making noise at this point you know so it's so hard to show up as yourself, that it almost comes off as a rebellion. And if that's what I'm doing, then fuck it. I'm here for it. I'm I, I'm chairs.
1: <laughs> I love all of that because I think you're, you're onto something because there is growth and I'm going to say this and it, I'm going to, I'm just going to try to think through what I want to say. So yes, there's growth. Me in numbers right there's growth in more people are coming to the sport but it's like we're like quantitatively running is growing but qualitatively it's not changing right i had i had someone message me and this is one of my friends and she ran her first 5k this past weekend And she's like, I did my first 5k, but I walked a lot. And I'm sure that would have been really easy for you because you run so much more. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like 5k's are hard. You know, I don't know why, why. So it's like, it's great that she did it, but then she had to add the asterisk of I did it, but I walked or I did it, but I'm sure that would have been easy for you. And it's like,
2: no, it's still <laughs> your experience. But, but I mean, but think about it. I say take the Boston Marathon experience, right? Uh, like I, I, I did my one and only, <laughs> and I can't say I completed it because I didn't. Um, I, I had an invitation. Um, this is the, the place of privilege. Oh, but, but I, I don't realize but, oh, this is work. This is But you work. took so, someone's spot. How how could you take I, someone's Take someone's I was loaded. <laughs> sure you, with you got me. that. Uh, so, do, are you kidding me? Uh, not only was I loaded with that, but I got loaded with, um, you know, people was like, you know, it, it was easier for them to call me a fat bitch versus um, saying cold word for racist commentary. And I'm just like, you do understand that this is a lot of white supremacy coming through on this comments so of you don't belong here and you never belong here. And even if you would get down to the size and you get down to the speed, we'll never respect you. And I was just like, you know, I'm just not going to find the the PR way of answering that. I'm going to always tell you to go fuck yourself and kick rocks. So, um because of it, you know, um I got a lot of negative backlash when I had that invitation to um to do the Boston Marathon. Um and at that time, I was still recovering from COVID. You know, like I, I like I had long-term COVID. Like, you know, like I'm talking about feeling like you're breathing through a straw at times. Um, walking down the block felt like difficult, like like a, like a challenge. And I told myself, I want to be back in the space. So I gave it my absolute all while respecting my body. A conversation that does not happen often, where it's just like, go out DMV, and, you know, do hard and stay hard, and you know, it don't matter. Um, that's just pain is weakness leaving the body. Like, hey, baby, um, mental, um, mental and physical health issues do exist. Um, I am one of those um wonderful um students. Um, who's in it? And I sit in it every single day. Like I tell people, don't let my big mouth fool you. Um, I, I don't want anyone to sit here and think that I am not strong and vulnerable, that I am not um that I am I'm a I'm a pay grade above being, you know, being open and saying I have moments where I am I'm not feeling great about this. I am not above saying um to hell with this. I'm staying home. Uh and, and it's like we don't talk about that because then you're not a real athlete. Uh, An athlete, by definition, is someone who is performing a certain duty or a certain task, um, and they're doing these things on a consistent basis. But I would like to put in my asterisk of that also includes your rest, that also includes honoring your body when your body is telling you absolutely not. That means also honoring your body in the recovery process because you are encountering the injury or your mental health is falling apart. Why are we not talking about that? As much as we're talking about, oh man, I got this entry into Boston Marathon. People are shaming people for fundraising. Um, as a person who has fundraised for damn near this entire year, like I mean, I'm a sponsored athlete. Yes, I do get invitations. Sometimes I take them up. But um, let, let's be let's be let's be clear here. For anyone who's never heard anyone talk openly about this, even with your sponsorships, there's always a, a fine print that's there. We are only going to cover so much. Um, Depending on what you negotiate for, you can't do certain things. Um, It depends on what kind of agreement you 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 kind of make for yourself. And I'm going to say openly, when people when companies see a neurotic person like me say, "Hey, I'm going to sign up for 40 races in a year," they're not covering all that. I would have to be Serena Williams in this sport for them to cover all of that, okay? And I am not her. Um, and I and I love me some Serena, but I'm not trying to be her. I'm trying to be Latoya Chante Snell. I'm not trying to reinvent or be anyone that's out there. I am trying to be myself, show up as myself and be great at being myself out there. So it, mm-hmm. like, I've had people try to remix this and say that, oh, I'm doing this for clout remaining fat. I'm doing this for clout, coming in last. I'm like, baby, really? (laughs) Why? (laughs) Really? i was like, because five minutes ago, y'all told me I didn't belong here. And now that I'm here, you have a problem with how I got here. And I see this happen when it comes down to how people shame the fundraisers, how people shame anyone who's had a a free entry extended to them, to anyone who has no idea of how someone else got there, except for, oh, I made it in at this time. You took someone else's spot How? fucking dare you sit here and try to dictate how someone else got in here because if running really is for everyone and all we need is a pair of sneakers and dare I challenge that as an ultra runner that there are people who run barefoot during races how dare you tell somebody how they show up the way that they can, that they are accepted and to tell them that they're not an athlete while doing it. If I want to power walk and sashay for 26.2 miles, it is still 26.2 miles. And if it happens to be like the day of the Boston Marathon where I showed up and my legs literally collapsed underneath me because I have medical issues um, that extend both of these hands, then who are you to tell me I'm not an athlete then when I say, you know what? This is the end of my race day, even at something at an athletic arena, like the Boston Marathon. Why are we afraid to tell these damn stories? So I'm gonna tell you these stories while fat, while black, while queer as hell, um, while sitting here wearing earrings when people tell you that they're not supposed to do it, please, they weren't even considering us women in sports how many years ago. So now there is no templates that I'm making it. And if you don't like it, that my neurodivergent ass is here showing up as myself, then baby, you need to stay the hell out of my way because I'm going to always show up as me. And there's no asterisk to how I showed up. I did 26.2 miles, period. And I will do it again period. And I, if you, if I am putting my money out there, my space, my energy, and my time, I will do it on my terms, my way, and yes, I do think that racists who are going to collect my money and then go the distance to say, you can go to the sidewalk, even if there's not going to be a finish line take there at the end, at the very least, they can respect my gangster for showing up. I, it's just...
1: Uh, there I just like then just so just a just a moment silence <laughs> in honor of that because it really is I find I find a race like Boston incredibly interesting I find it it is as a runner and as a lover of this sport I find Boston to be such a great social experiment <laughs> of how yes. Of how you can bring out the spirit of running in such a beautiful way. And then you can bring oh. out the ugliness of humanity in yeah. such a jaw dropping way. Because mm. as I'm hearing you talk, I'm thinking of, well, what about those elite athletes that drop out because they're injured and no one says anything to them? Instead, no. the dialogue is, I'm glad for them. I mean, how many, how many, we have New York city coming up, right? You have a whole slew of elite athletes that were supposed to run. And a lot of them have dropped off because they're injured or because they want, they have an injury that they would rather recover from so that they can be ready for the Olympic trials. And no one is criticizing them. No one is telling them they took up a spot and hi, I just want to tell people, if you Mm. don't know this already, I want you to know that your race entry, for marathon majors and a lot of races, it goes towards paying the prize money for these elite athletes who are already paid something just yep. to show up, right? Yes. So it's like, it really doesn't, we're kind of all on equal grounds here. And, and again, with a race like Boston, You have all these charity races where I would love to see the Boston Marathon financials. I'm one of those person where I'm like, Mm. I want to see the receipts. I want to see how people (laughs) put it on. I want to talk to people. I want to know because I guarantee you the money that the charity runners are bringing in, that's money that is probably paying for about half of that race's production. So those Mm. people who earn entry, you're actually probably don't hate me here, but you're probably earning entry to a race that a charity runner has made possible for you to do. So to me, it's one of those things where, why does it matter? And I had my own experience of, and I'll I'll go into it very, very briefly. Um, I ran Marine Corps Marathon this, this past weekend. And I've, the past few months of my life have been very, very challenging. My dog died. It was a struggle to get into our house. We moved five times in the last six months. It's been really, really, really challenging. And in a marathon, you've done enough marathons. So you know, you never know what's going to come up. Never know. You don't know what emotional state you're going to be in. So I'm running this marathon and around mile 10, I just wanted to cry because I couldn't stop thinking about my dead dog. And I realize now that my dead dog, she just, she, embodied everything that I felt like I had lost. And that was incredibly frustrating for me to experience during a race because that's not where I wanted to be mentally. Mentally, I wanted to be fighting for this race. I wanted to like, you know, have an experience, but that experience that I had was, was just one of grief. And while I was on the course, I saw at mile 16, there was a man down and they were giving him CPR. The, Emergency units. I've been checking my phone to see if I've been checking the news to see if I can see if that person made it or not. But I spent the final 10 miles of that race thinking, why the fuck do we care about time? Why do we care about any of it if we're not guaranteed anything? We're not guaranteed we make it to the start line. We're not guaranteed we make it to a finish line. None of it is guaranteed. And yet, we are attributing our worth, not just as runners, but as human beings to how fast we can run. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you don't even start. Doesn't matter if you can't even get there. So to me, it's always so interesting when we talk about our paces or when we, when that is the thing that's preventing us, when that's the gatekeeper, It just, it blows my mind that the voices that are gatekeeping that are so incredibly loud and that there's so many of us out there who will never experience our own potential, who will never experience the friendships that can come out of being a runner, out of doing these things all because one person says, you don't belong here or whether they say it or they imply it or they're leaving messages or whatever the case is, but they're saying you don't belong here because you don't fit the part. What
2: exactly does the part look like? (laughs) You know, you have to ask yourself, what exactly does the part look like? You know, and and, uh, one, as far as the cleansing tears at Mount 10 and then having a reflection at Mount 16, I, th- I I don't, but I, I am like uh, Bob Ross in that sense. Um, I have his little figurine looking, at, I'm looking at him on the desk and, you know, I believe in happy accidents, which is kind of like code word for me is things an accident. I think that sometimes we're presented and we're shown certain things so we can grow um, and we are forced to reflect the, the beauty of running is that when you do have that solitude, even when you're running with a group, you're able to reflect, um, you are, uh, you are essentially like, it's like an act of zenning out. Um, I never understood like when it comes down to this elitist commentary, because it's, it's not coming from elite athletes. Um, <laughs> I have some of them as friends. Um, they're incredible. They're the most down to earth people that you'll ever meet. And they have their own list of shit too. That they're going through and when it comes down to learning about how the prize money works how the pressures that they're put on the, the stipulations that's held on their contracts we realize that we're all in this rat race together um you know and it just looks different across the board um you know like a lot of what i um when the, the more i started getting into this space the more i started understanding not just the politics of this space, but I realized that some of the loud most the the loud mouths are really coming from within the community. And that's like almost in any community. You build up something that's great and you have one person that can fuck it up. Um but the the key is is for the community to actually hold those people accountable. And the problem is is that you have so many people who are left unchecked, um, to be brought down to a humble moment of why did you show up? Weren't you a beginner at some point? Um even if you were killing it. From day one, it's just like, okay, you have this natural ability. You have plenty of people out here with natural abilities. I see it all throughout New York City. You want to see natural abilities going to New York City subway stations. You see the most talented people who may never ever touch Hollywood. Okay, Um, so it's not it's like it's, it's 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 only part of the job to have a natural ability or the ability to be able to show up and be fast. What does your personality look like? Are you opening up? The, the pathway to somebody else doing this. When, when I when I see people that come at me and they're just like, how did you get that? You know, you run slow. You know, how did you get these ambassador programs? You know, how are you in the limelight? This is this. And this, all I hear is hate, 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 hate. And I'm just like, okay, that's cute. um I have much more to offer than my speed or my lack of speed. I have a story to tell. um And my story does not necessarily amplify me. You know, my, my story... It was a gateway of hi, here's my introduction. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. These are the things I'm passionate about. But I want my passions to kind of help other people. And I, I would encourage anyone who wants to be a fitness creative in this space or want to be a coach or you have to do this more than just for you. You can start off them. I'm not telling you to abandon your own personal dreams. But when you want to foster a real community, community when you want to amplify people in that space, when you want to build onto these spaces, that story has to thrive beyond you. What legacy are you building in this space besides centering yourself? And if you cannot some do anything besides centering yourself, then maybe your story you need you need extra characters in there maybe you need to you need to you need to go back to the storyboard and work some shit out because this story is sounding really really fucking boring and old um when, when we, even when we read memoirs and I say this as a person my free time I spend like my I know y- y'all guys probably can't see my desk my desk is filled up with books um I am a nerd <laughs> the, 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 the only thing I don't do is I don't look at comic books like that even though I have on like a like a I would have on a Thank shirt like this <laughs> These strong people strong people don't uh, don't put others down. Yeah, of course, I would have one. Something like this is from Star Wars, but um, I, I have I, I mean my my family there we're we're all a bunch of artists and nerds in this house. And the one thing I've learned with storytelling because i, I I'm an artist first and an athlete second. um you know, when it comes down to professions, uh, I, I do motivational speaking. um, you know, I, I, I love to write. Um, not just for, you know, sharing parts of my story, but I love sharing other people's stories and encouraging other people to share their stories. Like the the most, the biggest gift you can ever give me if you ever meet me in person is tell me who you are. Tell me what your name is, your name matters. And if I fuck up your name, you correct me. Um, and, you know, and to be able to tell me how you showed up, not for you to sit here and tell me, oh my God, you're so amazing. Like, don't get me wrong, I'll take it. You know, if I'm still adjusting to that, um, but I love learning people's stories. You know, so if we're going to be in this space and we're just like, oh, I want to have this center stage. First off, it's a lot of pressure in this. Two, the money ain't, the checks ain't always checking. Um, And three, when it comes down to having a platform and growing your platform, um, wherever it may be, you can CC this to cycling. You can CC this to your workplace environment. Um, If you are going to build up communities, you have to know, one, what is your reason why? Two, what is the problem that you're trying to identify in the problem and then figuring out what are you trying to solve? and then we can start going into the middle and figuring out what went wrong here what, When did this start? when you all need an origin story like when, when we think about body image um, and we, and we say these toxic things to ourselves of, you know, um, I, I love my body, but." And then like the asterisks, or as a, as a your friend, you know the, the person that said to you, I completed this five k. But I see people do it in my comment sections all day long. They'll sit here and say, Oh my God, look at you knocking out those push ups. I have no excuse, but look at my body. My body is is less than yours, and I can't do that. And I'm just like, but you don't know what came before this. You don't know how many times I screwed up, how many times I'm still screwing up. You don't know how many edits this took. You don't know what came in here. So why are we comparing ourselves and downplaying our own accomplishments just because you saw somebody's end product? Make that make sense. Make that make sense. You know, before someone can actually give you a solution, they had to figure out their own problem. So before we go out here and jump on people and sit here and say, oh, that person ain't running fast enough. This isn't this. I suggest you to look internally and ask yourself, why does this matter? When's the first time that you actually told yourself that a real athlete has to run at a nine minute pace? When's the first time that you told yourself that people who look like me don't deserve to be in that space? Ask yourself, where did you pick up the language? Because most likely it is not innate and it's not intuitive. It is borrowed language. When we talk horribly about ourselves, when we talk, even when we talk good about ourselves, we are barring somebody else's commentary. We are inheriting good things and bad things. Just like for me, with my personal demons and my issues with being able to open up to going into run groups. I didn't always have that personality. My personality is loud and bold and I love being around people. Where it came from was when I started getting ostracized in this community. When I, when I got built up, in 2017, I was I was up here and people were just like, man, we love her story. She got heckled and she told him, hell no, nah, I'm gonna still go. I got that 26.2 and I was worried, just like the models that sit in my husband's chair at time when I asked them, really, how are you? I became that person at that moment and said, I'm not feeling so great because once this story got amplified, people were just like, what's next? Is she gonna lose weight? They, put, they inserted their own stories into it. So I lost my own narrative along the way and I had to fight twice as hard just to be able to say, I am showing up as myself and I'm not going to apologize for it because it makes you feel uncomfortable because maybe it's amplifying something in yourself or in your own background story that told you people like me are wrong. People like me, you can't show up and be fat in the space and, and be an athlete. That There's no such thing as fat and fit. Who told you that? Who told you that? You know, so like I, I, w- I would challenge people, even my haters, especially my haters. I've actually made some haters be my friend. I like I mean i I can't make this up like I won't put the person's name out there, but him and I have coffee four times a year, and he hated the hell out of me. He was on the top ten list of if I saw you in the street, you know, I smacked you across the face, you know, and me, him and I have coffee four times a year, you know and and it was and it was just it wasn't like I was trying to change him and not trying to be his personal Jesus. It was just more or less that the more that we tried to separate ourselves the more that we realized that we had in common, we both had a trauma in common. And I reminded him of the trauma of a story that he was fed that people like me are not supposed to exist in this space. And then the person who was not supposed to exist decided to talk back to him. So as much as I can be snarky online and I can tell you about, you know, like um you salty like my haters and this, this, and this, I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm sorry, not sorry. I used to do open mics. um I used to do poetry. um. My biggest dream in the world is to become a writer. Um as a person who can be metaphorical and I can be real quick with it, the work for me is to actually slow down my thoughts sometimes and to say, not so much match you with kindness, but meet you at your at your uh, where you at mm-hmm. at this very moment. That's the that was a challenge for me in this space. um, because all I know is how to knuckle up. I knuckle up. And my words, I knuckle up with my hands. I, I'm real good at it. It comes, it's, that's innate. I've been a fighter because I had no choice but to fight my entire life. All my life I had to fight. But it's no, <laughs> <but, laughs> terrible. But uh, but, real, but real deal, uh, like, it is easier for me to knuckle up versus saying I'm hurting. Because that requires vulnerability and vulnerability requires work and it requires for you to do the it's like it's like for me doing hill repeats. I I hate them shits. But if I want to get better and to accomplish big things, it requires for me to do my own internal work before I go out there and to preach to the internet about what they should do and how they're going to step off to me. And a lot of us find some of these things to be easier to go out there and be speedy and I'm fast as fuck energy, but they don't know what it is to slow down. I'm a, I'm great at um powerlifting. Uh, like, people ask me, why don't I go pro for that every day? And I'm like, there's a part of me that feel like I'm going to lose that if I if I go pro. I'll lose the magic that makes it, you know, unique if I ever went pro. I, 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 I kid you not, it is innate in me to lift up heavy things and say, I can put 375 pounds on my back and say, still put some more on here. And people are just like, whoa, you could be elite at this rate. And I'm like... This is innate. I'm used to carrying heavy things. I'm car- I'm used to carrying heavier things, like burdens. You know, like like knowing that tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm possibly not going to be able to shower myself because my chronic illnesses decided to flare up that day. That's the unpredictability of me showing up at start lines. I don't know what kind of day I'm going to have, even if I trained twenty weeks for it. Uh, I've shown up at start lines and ended start lines with blood running down my legs because. And no metriosis is just like, hey, I'm checking in. And yeah. PCOS decided that it was going to tag in and say, me too. And then sciatica was like, baby, I want to get in the club. And next thing I know, I'm showing up at the start, at the finish line, terrified about taking that picture. And I realized the hardest thing that I did that day was not the 26.2, but it was the aftermath of the finish line. Do I take this picture? Do I tell a story with this, with with social media and possibly get shamed for it? And I know that the the real metal on it is I just amplified somebody who just went through this too, who may not ever show up at a start line because they're not willing to do what I just did. But if I tell that story, that unlocks space for somebody else to do that. And that's what my magic is. My magic is I want to tell my story with the hopes that other people get to tell brave fucking stories and inspire another generation to show up, to constantly show up. They constantly show up and they constantly show up. That's where my, my, my magic is. That's my reward. That's my medal. Cause I got all these medals in the background and my, my family, they, 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 so used to it. They're like, all right, we're going to put this one out. I'm like, I don't know, because it's not about the medal. I look at the medals and I get to remember the stories and I'm like, that's what I want to take with me at well, not, not the speed.
1: No. And it's what you said earlier in terms of, I'm going to kind of connect it all right here where You said the importance of understanding your why, of understanding what the problem is you're trying to solve, and then letting that why be what guides you as you create a legacy. And that's what you're doing every single day that you show up. And again, it's when I talk to you, when I see your posts, when I hear what you have to say, when I read your words, what comes up for me is the is possibility. It's the possibility you create for others because maybe, maybe someone with endometriosis will never run a marathon, but seeing you tell your story, they will sign up for that 5K, right? Right. Seeing you tell that story means the next time their friend says, hey, do you wanna go for a walk? Instead of saying no, they say yes, yes, right? that's that's the legacy. The legacy is how it ripples from you, how it ripples from, from all of us, right? Without us even knowing what it is. And it's simply because you shared in a way that created possibility. You shared in a way that opens up the eyes for people to see that I don't have to do things like everyone else. I oh. can do them in my way. I always say it, it's that, like, you know, I said earlier, I'm like, it's the sazon. It's like, what's your style? What's, gesto tu estilo? Like, how are you yes. making it what, what it is for you? We're all so different. And it's amazing because we are different. And yet in certain spaces and with certain things, and I know it has a lot to do with being beginners or being new and wanting to belong, We do start to forget who we are in order to fit in. And yet, this is a reminder for myself, for yourself, for everyone here. It's part of what makes being a human challenging, but also exciting, is the fact that we can, we have the opportunity to constantly figure out who we are. We don't have to stay in one spot. We don't have to stay in one shape. We don't have to stay. I mean, we didn't even touch upon, you know, being, being in a female body and what it means to grow older <laughs> and how your body changes and all of that. I mean, God. I myself, I I'm turning 40 next year and I'm like, oh, this is so interesting. The, the body, I feel like I'm going through puberty again because hormones are changing. Oh, you oh know?
2: Lord. it's ghetto.
1: there's a lot, there's a lot that's happening. <laughs> And I find that when we do talk about these things, even if people, their first response is a, Oh, you're going to find the people. And I think it's the same thing with run clubs. And like, when you were talking about, you know, speaking up for yourself, I realized I've started doing it and I've been running for since 2012, but I would say this is the year, this is the first year that I've started with. I'm running I'm, I need to do this amount of mileage. I need, I would like to do it at this pace. Who can join me? And I have been running for a while. Right. But it's now. So I understand that there is, there is some hesitancy to do that, or there is just the fear of rejection is so big and I get it. I understand it. And I, I guess I I share all that just to remind people that the people who will accept you will accept you. Keep looking, keep Looking. If you go to a space and you don't feel it there, you don't feel like you belong, you feel like there's elitism, keep looking, keep looking. And I know it's harder said than done, but if the looking doesn't help, create it for yourself. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, guarantee you that there is someone in your community. There is a friend, there's a mom, there's your dad, there's someone in your parent, like your kid's class. There is someone that is looking for a walking partner. There is someone that is looking for a movement partner and that's where it starts. So I have three more questions for you. Are you okay for time? Okay, I have three more questions. Okay, I've got three more questions. Yes. Um, we've kind of touched upon mental health. Yes. What do you say to someone who says running is my therapy?
2: Oh, oh shit. <laughs> I was lying to my door. <laughs> see it out at that moment. Okay. Okay, let's unpack that one. Running is my therapy. Um, so I'm gonna try to tuck away my um uh, my my previous life of working in mental health spaces. Um there's no therapy like therapy. Um, and and it, and it doesn't have to be the, the one that you have to be medicated with. Um, I I think that everybody needs it. (laughs) I'm going to be very honest. I think that we all need our person, um, and a person that, um, who does not know us, um, who we get to actually tell our story and figure out and identify our own story through. Um, that's the reason why we don't have doctors who are our family members operate on us. We need someone who is an outsider listening to our stuff, not for them to tell us what to do, but for them to sort through the puzzle pieces we know all the pieces are here but certain things aren't plugging in um i think running is therapeutic mm-hmm. um i think that you know um through it you if you if you do it there's no right or wrong way to do it you know some people's form of therapy is a run walk some people's um, form of running looks more like a, a really really slow walk in the struggle um because maybe what you're needed at that moment some people need community. Some people need, um, they need to be by themselves for a bit. I am one of those people that need both. Um, running provides me an outlet, particularly during the longer ones because people always ask me like, like you, you complain during these, like, I mean, I'm documenting every mile, showing you every loony mile where I'm going through these highs and I know the lows are coming there, but the lows give me so much homework. Um, where I take in those moments. Sometimes I look back at my own IG stories just so I can see where my mind was at. And I'm like, oh, there goes this. This is she goes. She's crumbling right here. Mile 18. She's crumbling. She's going down the tears about to come out at 21. Like, I even documented my mental breakdown. Like, people thought that that was like, you know, they was like, did you just create this like as, you know, as a real to be funny? And I'm like, no, that was an actual breakdown at, a, at the Chicago Marathon um, where I thought I was at Mile 22. And my podcast partner, Martinez was on the side at the Chicago Marathon. And he looks at me and he says, hey, you're at mile 21. I said, no, the hell I ain't. I'm not at mile 21. What are you talking about? And he's like, Toya, look at the map. And I'm looking at the map. And I was like, this area is definitely familiar because I've done this marathon. That was my fifth um, Chicago Marathon. And I'm like, sure enough, I'm at mile fucking 21. And everything in me was like, I'm close. And it felt like a metaphor for my life. I'm always so close and there's always a hiccup. And it reminded me so much of my mental and physical health where people may say like, oh my God, you speak so boldly, you know, and you show up and you're slow anyway. And all those demons start to roll yeah. in at that moment of here I am thinking I'm at mile 21 and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm killing it. And my body is breaking down because my body was like, soon enough, we're going to relax. We're going to have a shower. Um, You know, I'm not going to have to pee on myself for the 60th thousandth time because I was doing it since Mal 3. And it's like, here goes this extra Mal. And that Mal represented the hardships of my health. And I'm just like, if I didn't have polycystic ovarian syndrome, I'd be moving faster than this. If I didn't have endometriosis, then, you know, I wouldn't have to tell these stories about being in pain. I and mean, when I tell these stories, are they being perverted? Or is this is this like a tiny violin? Like all of that is coming out. And these are things that I'm suppressing on my everyday, you know, in my yeah. everyday life where I'm just like, oh, I'm just so used to being in pain. I don't know what it is to actually have a day of being pain-free, you know? Um, and the marathon gives me that permission to actually be angry about it without being worried about being the angry black woman like i don't even let the, the 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 racist trope even get to me as much anymore because i found a way to take it back where i'm just like i i deserve to be angry Yes. I can be angry. I don't have to smile through this. I can be angry, and yes, I am black, and I am a woman, and I own all three of those. Why? Why is this such a Why is this such a trope? Where, where is is gaslighting? And I'm realizing I'm gaslighting myself in my everyday life when I don't give myself permission to be sad. You know, um, mental health. You know, I, I I think running is great, and it is therapeutic. That was my therapeutic moment. But I get to take all those thoughts. I get to take it to a talk therapist and say, this is what came up when I was running out here. Um, and I don't know why I showed up at that moment. And that's where my therapist steps in and says, hey, let's try this exercise. Or, hey, depends on what kind of therapist you have. Like, you know, like for me, um, I knew my entire life certain things weren't clicking. Um, I see things um, very abstractly. Um, and then simple things sometimes can go past me. It's like woohoo, two plus two is four. No, it's not. It's eighteen. You don't yeah. understand. Yeah. I carried the one here, and this, this, and this, and they're like there is no one. And I'm like, but not the way that I saw it. And I realized my entire life was like that. And it took for actual therapist to send me to a counselor to say, you're neuro- you're neurodivergent. And I'm like, whoa, you're telling me I've been operating this entire life with extra steps, and instead of feeling like it's a burden. I felt like I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy anymore. So like for me, I, I think running is therapeutic. It's an outlet, it's a muse, it's a source, um, it's an art. you know. Um, and the beauty of it is that you have to make sure that your running is not the opposite of therapy because it could be your punishment. Yeah, you look at it. So that's the reason why I'm like, that's the reason why my initial thing was like, oh, shit, you know, like, you know, like, like, it's just like, you know, I I used to be that person that used to scream on Instagram posts, like if you followed me when my face was kind of like, like moon faced, and, you know, it was real sharp. And, you know, I was big head and small body bouncing on your screen. Hey, guys. You know, I'm at mile five. I was super happy. I was running 11-minute miles. And now at 18, I'm just like, listen, if I'm angry, I'm angry. And I am not apologizing for this. There is no fine print for it. I will not show up in cosplay in my own skin. This is who I am. If you don't like it too damn bad. And I I realized that running at that time was therapeutic and a source of harm. So... Is running therapy? No. Yeah. But I'm sure it could be therapeutic if you use everything in your arsenal to the best of your ability. Anything can be helpful and a detriment, even down to your actual therapy session. If you are telling all these things and you're forthcoming and you realize somewhere along around session five, that something just don't feel right. It may be, maybe the therapist, is not that the therapist is terrible. Maybe the therapist is not for you. Go yeah. find a therapist. We do this with doctors every single day. People All are like, time. oh my All God, I time. can't go to this doctor because this doctor makes me feel feel bad about myself and I don't want to be weighed. And this person tells me I have to, and this is this, and they won't tell me why I have to be weighed. I'm like, fire your fucking doctor. Fire your doctor. I'm like, you know, we, we, when, when we don't like a pair of shoes in the, in the store, we don't pick them up when we see the we see the price tag we're like oh no like this feels nice but i can't afford it I we make a decision at that point we decide either we're going to save up for it and we're going to eventually get that shoe or we say let me look for an alternative that feels just as good oh baby i think i like these better why can't yeah. we do that with our running and our life any of it running is therapeutic
0: yeah
1: thank you all right what do you have coming up that we can celebrate you in
2: Oh, my gosh. So I am going to be doing a New York City Marathon. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I'm going to be doing a New York City Marathon um, this weekend. We'll be doing it on Sunday. And um, this will be, gosh, what number is this? I'm looking at it. I think this is number seven of New York City Marathon. But this, you know, I'm saying when. I'm not saying if. I, I like to call things and say I'm, I'm putting it out there. When I cross that finish line, what are Most likely for New York City, what I love about New York City is that they real deal have been keeping this finish line open for super long. Um, this is the first time I'm going to be showing up as Wave One, so I have mixed feelings about it. Um, like a part of me is almost feeling like this is like a like a, a program that they kind of um, pulled out this year where they wanted to give people in the back of the, some people in the back of the pack the opportunity to be able to experience that wave one feel where they can have more time out there. And I happen to be one of those snail pace runners. It matches, it's the opposite of my last name. Snell is German for faster. But as you, if you listen to me long enough here, you'll realize that I my entire life is a, a whole contradiction. I'm I'm a, a, an athlete who dropped out for seven gym credits. Like, where did they do that? You know, so it's just like, you can realize you can remix your own life. So for me, um, this is gonna be the first year I'm actually gonna be in wave one. And I'm just like, where's my slower people? You know, like I'm hoping I see some of my slower paced athletes out there. I'm going in with a different set of nerves this time. This time I'm more like, are the wave run runners who usually are wave run runners, are they going to be angry at me for moving slower? And that's an insecurity i never really had in my head. I didn't really have in my head before because I was just so comfortable with being in the back of the pack that it's like, it's not going to motivate me to move faster. Like, I'm just going to say that off the bat. It's not going to motivate me to move faster, but I don't look forward to a possibility that runners might curse me out. And say, can you move out the way? And even when I stand on the sidelines and I'm moving and moving my race, I don't, I'm I'm scared of being heckled again. Um, You know, so these are different levels of insecurities that come up. One of the biggest thing is people are like, well, you did all these marathons. You you can't be scared of them anymore. I'm scared every single time. But the fear looks different, but I push through them anyway. So there's that race. Um, I'll be doing the Ted Corbett um, 15K in December. Um, two weeks after New York city marathon, I'm going to be doing the Philadelphia half marathon. I'm really looking forward to that one. I love Philly. Philly's the second home. Um, I don't know what it is. It reminds me of like nineties, New York, um, a little bit of chaos, um, a little bit of sketchy activity, but they're really good and they mind a business, you know? So like, I love that. Um, there will be, I just signed up last night. Um, just signed up for a 50 K. Um, yes, yeah, so this is my redemption race after not being show- able to show up to hobbling 100 this weekend. It was the Hobbeline 100, or they say the Jundred, um, 100k, which is equivalent to 62 miles in the desert. Um, it was just not in the cards this year. My lungs said, No, no, no. The coughing and the hacking was like, Girl, go ahead and try if you want because you won't be showing up in New York City. So I told myself, respect my body. Make the decisions that, you know, works best for your body and your mind. Um, And I want to be able to go out into the desert and fight tarantulas and all the crazy things. And maybe hopefully next year. Um, It was a race that I did in 2018. I came in last place and that was the first time I ever saw myself celebrated. Being in last place. Everybody deserves to be celebrated. Everybody. So um, there's that race that I'm going to be doing with Prospect Park Track Club Endurance Fest 50K. And that's going to be, they have a 50K option and a 50 miler. I decided that I was going to be kind to myself. Two marathons is a lot in a year. Um, And then to push that on with an ultra, I was just like, let's be kind being that it's going to be December and it's going to be cold and I'm possibly going to be angry at the start. So um, it has a 15 hour cutoff, um, perfect for slow paced people like me, um, who was just like, listen, I just want to walk this entire thing if you want to walk the entire thing, it is possible. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so I'm just like, who who the hell said running has to look a certain way? Um, and then when the new year kicks in, I'll have, I already have some races I've already signed up for, particularly when you said Miami, I was like, oh girl, I'm doing the Miami half. So I will be there. I'm trying to sign up for the 5k, but I'm trying to make sure that my funds I'm gonna let me be great. So I'm gonna see until next week. And I might do that. Yes. So look me up when I'm because girl, I'm coming out there. I'm coming out. to Let's go. Let's go. Let's do stuff. Love me some Miami. Miami is like Miami got some good ass food. So um I love to travel to different races, not just for the experiences, but the culinarian in me. is just like if I can go to a place that can introduce me to whatever's the signature that's there, sign me up. I don't care how crazy it is. I want to try it at least once, um, as long as it's not illegal, because um, I'm not trying to go to jail. Uh, I, I worked at one, okay? I, the fun fact about me, I worked at a prison um, for damn near two years. It is not fun, people, okay? It yeah. is not fun. Yeah. They're, they're, like, it, it is it is very interesting. Every time I have someone call me by my maiden last name, and they're like, Miss Richardson, and I'm like, Oh my God, he must know me from the jail. And most times they knew me from the jail. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, so those are like the races that I have set um, set up um, for the remaining of the year.
1: I love it. All right. Final question. It's kind of a two parter. It's just remind Uh us where we can follow you and find more information. And then what are your final
2: words for us? Oh man, like the Jerry Springer final thoughts. Yes. (laughs) Um, I love it. Man. Um, Well, you can always find me on social media. You can find me on, well, one, I have a website. I am going to be bringing this blog back into action because this is how a lot of people actually found out about me before the viral moment. Um, it's runningfatchef.com. Don't you dare whisper it. Fat is seasoning. Fat is for the soul. And yes, fat happens to be on your body, but baby, um, we can we can shake it, we can mold it, we can make it look all great. Right. Okay. So runningfatchef.com. I also have my Instagram and my TikTok as well as threads. Um, that's I am El shante. That's I am A M L S H A U N T A Y. I am l Shantae, just like my name. Like, people are just like, what is your name? It's Latoya Shantae Snell, just like three names, like every serial killer. I don't carry around knives or guns. I just carry these hands. Don't ever ask me to do these hands in the way they're not supposed to. I like to shake people's hands, not put hands around people's throats. Other ways you can find (laughs) me. Just saying. Just saying. Other way you can find me is actually as Running Fat Chef. You can find me on Facebook, um, as Running Fat Chef. Um, I just hit thirty thousand followers over there today. Um, and I was just like, oh, I feel a little tingly inside, you know. Um, like you know, the the count is big because a lot of damn people, but it's not so big where it's like triple digits. Um, like you know, six digits or whatever. Yeah. Instagram, on the other hand, is is kind of getting there. Um, which is kind of intimidating as hell. Um, some people embrace it. I'm just like, oh my God, that means more people that I've been interacting with possibly won't see me anymore and I won't be able to have these conversations. I'm going to pray it never gets to that point where I don't get to talk with the people who's been there since day one. Um, other um, other things, I, I I think, yeah, like, I mean, that that's really like where the places you can really find me. Um, you can find me, Running Fat Chef on um, Facebook, as well as Running Fat Chef on Instagram. Um, the culinary side hasn't died for me. Um, I like to make dishes, um, particularly during these winter months when the race season starts to kind of dip down. I like to make soups and food, and I like to do tutorials um, and teach people what I actually went to school for, which is culinary arts. Um, I'm not going to make a photography page. I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. But that's, but you might see got a lot. You got a lot right now. I, I got a lot going on, man. I got, I'm wearing all these hats. Uh, 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 like, what I need is a nap. Okay. Yes. A nap. <laughs> but yes, let's let's get let's offer this very spring of. Final thought here. <laughs> um, you know, after I didn't ramble, my my mouth was like the, the ADHD is really showing right now because I talked about six different topics and I, then come that, back.
1: But it all <laughs> ties together. It's good.
2: You know, I, I would I'm probably to say, you know, that there's nothing more beautiful than being you, um but it, it is a brave act to be you, especially when the world is demanding for you to show up as somebody else. Instead of trying to wear somebody else's costume of who they want you to be, how they think that you're supposed to be, mm. the way that you're supposed to um, just to sound, try trying on yourself. S- experiment with it, with it. Grow with it. Be artistic in it. Be as plain as you want to with it. Whatever you do, honor who you are, what your voice is, and define it, and fine-tune it, to the best of your ability, not to everybody else's. Because I promise that when you figure out who you are, what you're supposed to sound like, what is supposed to, what you're supposed to look like, and how you're supposed to feel, other people are going to feel that and it's going to be contagious. There is no better packaging than the way that you are. And you don't have to be in a certain size to do that. You don't have to wear a certain accessory to do that. Just be you. It's the bravest thing that you can ever do for yourself. That is the true legacy.
1: I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. For joining us. Thank you. Thank Thank you. Thank you. you. Bye, everyone.
0: There is absolutely nothing ordinary about Latoya Shante snap and I'll fight anyone who tries to tell me otherwise. I firmly believe that running is for all those who want it, but I also know that some of us have to work harder to find community that makes us feel like we belong. And some of us have to dig extra deep to own the identity of runner. Thank you, Ms. Snell, true queen that she is, for reminding us all that we don't have to tame ourselves or shrink ourselves down to fit in, especially when it means doing so to fit in spaces that weren't made with us in mind. For more on Latoya Shantae Snell, give her a follow on Instagram at I am Shantae and Running Fat Chef. You can also check out her website at runningfatchef.com. You can reach out to me on Instagram at The Cookie Runner or through my website at thecookierunner.net. You can also support this podcast with a rating, review, or a share. Until next time, run happy, run strong, and run true to you.